0: Once, when he was in one of the cities, there was a man covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. Then Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, and said, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him. Luke chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Hey, everybody, I'm Chris Dowd.
1: And I'm Reagan Gilliland.
0: And this is Off Script a Podcast, where every week we take a deeper dive on last Sunday's sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. Uh, we are talking this week about Lent Three, mm-hmm. the third, but it's the third Sunday in Lent of our sermon series. Yeah. But the first one I got to preach.
1: Yeah, it's about time you showed up
0: <laughs> because you had two in a row to start the series. <laughs> I did.
1: So it was that doesn't happen very often. It doesn't.
0: It's the way the calendar worked out. Yeah. Plus, we had to get him in before you know the baby comes. Before the baby comes. Yeah. So
1: were you like intimidated to follow me? Like, <laughs> did you feel like oh, I hope I measure up? Like,
0: would it make you feel better if I said yes? <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't get any applause at the end of mine. Yeah. Now, granted, my closing story was. I
1: was not ready. The pregnancy hormones were not ready for (laughs) your sermon on Sunday. You got to tell us. You got to give me a heads up. Like, yeah, it was. And looking at 11 o'clock, I was like, man, all I could hear was like sniffling (laughs) and tears. I was like, oh, gosh.
0: So I hadn't told that story here, I don't think.
1: Not the the full. I mean, I
0: I probably alluded to it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. The whole
0: thing, it was pretty much. um, So if you haven't listened to the sermon yet, we're talking about – the closing illustration on the a sermon about healing was about my father-in-law who died of uh, esophageal cancer. And he was from diagnosis to his death was less than 16 weeks. I mean, it was, uh-huh. it was rough. It was fast. It was, um, you know, not the point that I was making is there can be healing. even when there's not a cure, I think we're probably going to talking about that. that. So at the, the <laughs> um, Jason and several choir members said, um, you have to warn us because they had to get up and <laughs> sing the anthem afterwards, yeah. which was a beautiful anthem, which fit perfectly mm-hmm. with the, the text, you know? So anywho, I did not look at Whitney at the 11 o'clock service.
1: I figured I'm like, how is he going to do this one with Whitney sitting in? Oh, yeah. couldn't even
0: make eye contact.
1: Yeah.
0: Now I had already, you know, I, yeah. I always review him with her ahead of time. Correct. And yeah. I had asked her earlier in the week if she was okay with me telling the telling that story because, you know, it's pretty emotional. So,
2: yeah.
1: Um, well, I think it, it added to it. So it was a good, you know, it was a good one.
0: But it would have been inappropriate to stand up and give us give an ovation afterwards.
1: Yeah. A slow clap.
0: So that, that's the only reason I didn't get applause.
1: Okay. After your- Whatever makes you sleep better at after night.
0: After your shameless appeal for applause the week before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Please like me. Please like me. Sally
0: Field preaching moment. Yeah, totally. Do you get that reference? I do. Okay. I do. You've seen it on Nick at Night or something? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley, do you know who? You know who Sally Field is?
2: What?
0: <laughs> have you ever seen Sally Field in the movie other than Forrest Gump?
1: <laughs> Mrs. No. Doubtfire, at least I have seen Mrs. Doubtfire. Is okay. She in that? She's in that. Great. What is she? Who does she play in this? Mrs. His Doubtfire. XY. Oh, 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 Yeah, 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 yeah! I know. So. Okay. <laughs> it was a drive-by footing. <laughs>
0: That's great. Oh, I love Robin Williams.
1: Okay, so we are in Luke 5. Oh, you're not
0: going to do the moment of silence for my Irish?
1: Oh, oh yeah, they lost. Sorry. <laughs>
0: uh, on our show notes, she said moment of silence for Notre Dame losing their game. And I was going to correct you because okay. the Notre Dame men's team did. Okay. But don't be such a chauvinist. Notre Dame women played last night.
2: Yeah. And they've scored
0: the most points in program history. Oh They scored 109 really? points on Oklahoma.
1: Wow! So it
0: took a little bit of the state, and Oklahoma, it was it was at Oklahoma too, because the, the way that women do their tournament <laughs> is the early game, the early rounds are at, at the home court of the higher seed. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then like the final four is a, a neutral site. Mm-hmm. So at, in Norman, they scored 109 uh, points. a Thing of beauty. We watched it. I do. It took love a little it. bit of the sting. They scored more points in the first half than Notre Dame men scored the entire game the day before. <laughs>
1: Like, Men, let's show you how to do it. No, exactly,
0: right? exactly. The Notre Dame women have been showing the Notre Dame men how to play basketball for a while now. That's awesome. Anywho, so we Where are. Where were we?
1: I don't know. So we are. <laughs> so we are journeying through Luke. Yes. And so first week was uh, chapter or the first couple weeks were chapter four, and now we're in chapter five. Yeah,
0: I've never done this by the way to do this much of a like to take this bigger like this long of an overview mm-hmm. of, over a book. It's kind of mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. You already kind of talked about we're talking about healing, um, but this isn't the first healing no. that's in Luke. So can you tell us what happens like right before at the end of chapter four?
0: Yeah, this is the one where um, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. I told you the story. So we were in Capernaum uh, on a church trip back in 2018. <clears throat> Jazzy B was our tour guide. Okay. What he, he honestly wanted us to call him that. Um, and, and we were... Have you been to Capernaum? I you have. have. Mm-hmm. So there's the, there's Peter's house yeah. or his, his mother's house or Pe- is it called Peter's house? I
1: thought it was his mother's house. I don't know. Or but it, it's his like, in laws, whatever. Yeah. It's like
0: it's a, there's a church there, a little chapel mm-hmm. there, or whatever. And um, our very and lots of places in the Holy Land are very serious, mm-hmm. right? So we're all sitting outside the ruins of a synagogue. We're waiting to go. He's kind of pointing out the landmarks, and he says, "Over there is." Um, Peter's mother-in-law's house or whatever. I can't remember the name of the church. And that is, of course, where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, which is why Peter later denied him three times. <laughs> a mother-in-law joke. A mother-in-law yeah. joke. We weren't expecting a mother-in-law yeah. joke. And everybody really started laughing very loud because it was it totally caught us off guard because yeah. early in the trip, we weren't really used to him yet. And uh, he had to shush us because we were yeah. disturbing the other People that are having a pilgrims. moment.
1: Yep. <laughs> Yes. It's a good joke, though. That is a great joke, and that
0: happens immediately before chapter five.
1: Okay, so we've already got some.
0: So, heals. right, it's not the first time he's healed somebody.
1: Okay. Um, you pointed out that this is a different kind of healing. Well, the way that it's phrased, right, and the, the leper, yeah. So, can you talk about why this is maybe just not a? Just talk about why the healing may be different.
0: So, I think. And I heard this in a sermon somewhere early along, like early in my seminary career,
2: <clears throat>
0: I was at Arapahoe and Jack was talking about like, it's, I think, I think a lot of people have a question when you're praying for a cure, some people get a cure, some people don't like, how, how does God answer prayer? How does God mm-hmm. show up in the world? That kind of thing. And there's lots of bad theology about that. So Jack made the distinction between a cure, a medical cure and healing. Those are two very different things. And here in this this story about the leper, what's interesting to me is he doesn't actually ask for a cure. So yeah. in, in this section, chapter 5, verses 12 to 16, so that's the leper portion, um, both words are used in Greek, both cure and, in this case, the leper has to be made clean, which is not – I mean, Jesus ends up healing his leprosy. I didn't talk about this in the sermon. That actually does not make him clean. It makes him – Eligible to be made clean, okay? Because you have to then go, and it's like the purification rites in uh, Leviticus were for all kinds of reasons. There were all sorts of bodily functions <laughs> that made you ritually unclean. That even what, even if the condition was uh, not present currently or yeah. active or whatever, then you still had to go make a sacrifice. Okay. And so what the the leper asks is to be made clean. And then Jesus actually tells him, "Okay, now you got to go to the priest." Okay, so priest. that's
1: why you have to go to the priest because yeah. this is step one. You need step two. Exactly. <laughs> so your condition
0: okay. is cured, but you still have to be. You have to do the ritual part. And I didn't want to get into all yeah. a whole bunch of stuff about Jewish law. We didn't have time for that. But he doesn't ask for a cure. And then later, right after that, so right after Jesus says, "Go to the go and you know do your sacrifice according to the law of Moses," because in Luke it's very important that uh, what. Well, it's not very important. Luke highlights over and over again how Jesus is totally a creature of his
2: mm-hmm.
0: environment. Like he is. He, he fully participates in all the Jewish rituals. So, of course, he's going to say that this man needs to go and, and do this ritual thing. But right after that, it says the crowd came to him asking to be cured.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's where he actually uses the word. It's, okay. where we get, it's therapeuo, and it's where we get therapy, and okay. therapeutic. But what the man was asking for, I'm I'm sure the man wanted to be rid of his leprosy, but that's not what he asked for. What he asked for is to uh, be able to be restored to the community, Mm -hmm. which I think is really really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: and I never had picked up on that, that it was, um, yeah, him just really longing to be incorporated and not so isolated. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, I had never read it like that before.
0: Yeah. It's, it's really, uh, so Luke is our best storyteller. Mm-hmm. Like we have all of our prodigal, um, good Samaritan, Zacchaeus, the Christmas story, thief on the cross, all that's only Luke. Mm-hmm. And he's not a man who's, he's not a writer, an author who's casual with his word choice. And so, you know, was, this was written decades after Jesus' actual ministry. Yeah. So he's telling his story of the leper in an intentional way. This is also an author who's very concerned with people on the margins. So – and you preached on this last week. The poor, the blind, the lame, mm-hmm. the prisoner, like whatever. And there are lots of things that put you on the margins of society. Clearly, lepers were one of those. So this is he, – he's restoring him to community.
1: Okay. That's awesome. Um, so I'm curious. How did you grow up viewing healing as a Catholic? Like, I'm. did you have um, particular prayers, like – is a rose like is a rosary uh, used with it? Like I don't know, so yeah. tell me about that background.
0: Um, yeah, so I mean, there's uh, there are very specific prayers for all kinds of things, and then also you pray for the intercession of saints. I can't remember patron saint of like they are all patron saints for that kind of thing. Okay. Also, though there are also pilgrimages that people make all over the world to places where Mary has been seen in visions, like Fatima and Lourdes. So that. That notion of not healing in this case, but cure <laughs> mm-hmm. is something that's, that's pretty closely tied up with Catholic piety, but it's the complication. Some people make the pilgrimage to Lords or to Fatima and they don't get the physical cure that they were hoping for. Mm-hmm. And so theologically, then what do we do with that? And I think all of us know people who have, who have, you know, very faithful, very good people who die of a disease that they're praying a cu- for a cure for. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just think this is a really vitally important thing to be clear on as part of our theology.
2: Yeah.
1: So how have you changed maybe your view?
0: Well, I think the notion of healing, being like being made whole, being restored, expanding that beyond the very basic cure of the medical problem.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's about our relationships. It's about how God shows up through other people it's about our assurance that suffering and illness and disease does not get the final word even if it means a, a more abrupt or sudden end to this life than we would hope for
2: yeah
0: uh, in the end it's going to be okay in the end god has already spoken the last word on death and suffering yeah and that word's good mm-hmm. <laughs> right i mean we're leading up to easter so we'll we'll talk about that the closer we get to easter but this this is a place where like people battling illness, faithful people battling illness or good people battling illness. That, that is one of the things that shakes people's faith in God. When like, why is this happening to me?
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, why is God letting this happen to me? Why, why am I not getting the cure that I'm praying for? And I think, I think we have to reframe what we understand healing to be.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would look at it. Yeah. Like you said, it rattles people about like, Asking like, okay, I may not get cured, but how can I be healed so I'm not bitter and angry? Right. You know, yeah, I don't want to emotional healing, There's spiritual healing, all of that. And so that that can be good specific things for you to pray for when you hear of someone going through something. Of course, always pray like for a you know a cure and all that. It's not like okay that doesn't work or that's a waste of time, but expanding your prayers like please like heal them from yeah. Bitterness or anger, um, yeah. There's so much more to, to healing and, than we than we think. So,
0: and I do think you know, as pastors, we probably encounter this more than the average person. Mm-hmm. Like typically, you know, you might have a person that this happens to, or I mean, God forbid, a bunch of people in your life that this happens to, or yourself. But I, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time now, and I. There are very few times in my ministry when there has not been someone, a good person struggling <laughs> with yeah. a terrible disease. And so we get the gift of, of walking with people through this and like we we get the benefit of perspective on it that I think is something that you don't necessarily have when you're just in the fight. Mm-hmm. So helping people uh, walk through that, I think is one of our jobs as pastors and obviously you do that in the moment in pastoral care situations, but I I feel like it was good, a good opportunity to do it in a preaching moment as well.
1: Yeah. So, so nuts and bolts, like how do you explain to someone, uh, when someone literally gets cured and someone else doesn't, Uh how do you explain that?
0: Well, I mean, I think we can celebrate, uh, I mean, we can certainly celebrate a cure Mm -hmm. clearly. Right. Yeah. And say things like praise God and, um, I mean, just be filled with nothing but gratitude. But then if people are open to it, then if someone is angry about the situation that they're facing and are feeling, and maybe that's partly directed at at God. Mm -hmm. Then I think the the question is, like, why? Like, what is it? What makes you angry at God? I mean, do you assume that God gave you this disease? Mm -hmm. And everyone will say, oh, gosh, no. Do you assume that God is just trying to test you? Oh, my gosh, no. So, like, being angry at the situation and being angry that you're having to endure this when you've done everything right, I'm doing air quotes, um, is a totally understandable emotion. And I don't think it's our job to talk people out of their emotions. But in terms of theology, the whole book of Job is about this. I mean, Job didn't deserve anything that he got and in the end his the punchline of that book is that job realizes that he just doesn't get to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And what job didn't have that we have the benefit of is our faith in Christ. I mean we know that what comes next is good and you know you'll I don't think you'll ever hear me say unless I misspeak. I'll never say that someone is in a better place. I'll never say that after they die because this place is good. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the whole point of Christian theology is it's like we are an embodied incarnational theology. Like I think of my father-in-law. He here was really good. Like he was about to be retired. He was going to spend all his time with his kids and grandkids. I, I mean, I'm not going to say heaven is a better place. Heaven's a good place, mm-hmm. good in a different way. And there's going to be a, a, a reunion someday. And I mean, I, you know, I'm pretty orthodox and all that, but, uh, I, so I don't, my point is, I don't think we should try and, and talk people out of how their emotions, but to frame it correctly, to frame it in a more healthy theological way allows people to look for where God is showing up and approach the end, whenever that's going to be with confidence and peace.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, this is, this is the really tough stuff.
0: This is the, I mean, (laughs) yes. When you're. And, and Reagan, this is why like your theology has to be systematic. Like you have to be clear on what you think and don't think. And it's not helpful I'm not talking about you, we, we, right. um, it's not helpful to throw out platitudes like God has a plan. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like that is not helpful. God's plan is that everyone is in a relationship with God. God's plan is not that this 42 year old dies of cancer and doesn't get to see his kids grow up. That's not, come on. That's not what God, mm-hmm. so In, in pop theology and pop culture, we have these throwaway platitudes that we don't think through and we think they're helpful and they just aren't Mm -hmm. so that when you, when you're talking to someone on their deathbed, part of the work of ministry is to help people reframe this stuff that they've heard all their lives. God doesn't give you any more than you can handle, Mm. (laughs) right? I mean, all all that kind of stuff is just, it's well-intended, but ultimately I mean like ultimately like at the end mm-hmm. un- uh, unhelpful in my opinion.
1: Yeah. So before we jumped into this, I really I like the verse 13 um when he says Jesus does says I do choose mainly because I love that line. Coming off of like the the last two weeks, uh I mean Jesus really like he's not forced into things and he? right. he's not you know, he can't be bullied into right. <laughs> doing things. Right. But it does raise question of like wait, so does God choose some people and not others? You know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. So now I'm like, Oh great. Is that line problematic? <laughs> that first problematic now?
0: <laughs> well, I, so in the context of that particular passage, it's not about the way I read it. It's about you want to be part of the community again. Mm-hmm. I choose to make you part of the community again. Yeah. Not because you asked me, mm-hmm. but because that's what I want for everybody.
1: Okay. Yeah, no, that's good. But yeah, I think it's a problem. Jesus is like, yeah, I do choose. Like, I don't know.
0: It's power. It is super powerful. Yeah. And and I love that the, this person on the margins tells God, what God tells Jesus what God, what he can do. Yeah. And Jesus is like, yeah, you're right. I can do whatever I want.
2: Yeah,
1: I can do it.
0: Like you're correct man on the margins. (laughs) And I'm going to do this thing that you would like me to do. Yeah. That's really, really powerful.
1: Yeah. You know, you, you and I both are uh, very orthodox with things. So. Personally, with all these different healing stories, do you think Jesus literally healed those? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes,
0: yes, yes. yes. I don't don't read. Like, my own personal belief is God can do whatever God wants to do. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Jesus is the Son of God, God incarnate, second person of the Trinity, all that. So, yeah, sure. And I think that there were many more things than this that he did. Oh, for sure. And what the gospel authors are doing is telling the story in a way that is edifying for our faith. Yeah. So in this case, it's about moving someone from the margins to, to the community.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. I mean, I do too, but I think some people do ask like, well, do you literally believe like that's yeah. that Jesus? And I'm I like, I believe
0: he rose from the dead. I believe he walked on water. Like I'm, yeah, I don't, I I don't read I, this metaphorically. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. So we already addressed why Jesus sent the man to a priest after his healing. Yeah. So to make it the
0: complete, but yeah. To Make him ritually clean.
1: Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the story, you know, people start gathering and they want him to be, to cure them. And he would withdraw to deserted places yeah. and pray. So do you find that a weird or annoying that he was, that he did that? And Maybe. then also, and then it's weird, like how he can be so private. And then tonight's like, yeah, go tell people
0: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. talk
1: about that. Why does he do that?
0: So in Luke's gospel, Jesus prayer life is a, it's a theme. It shows up more than any of the gospels. And so at all these key moments, He's doing these incredible things. He's working miracles and healing. And he never misses an opportunity to take care of himself, which I think is a pretty powerful word for all of us.
1: Yeah. Okay. And then why do you think he's so private at times of like, don't don't tell anyone? And then at other times, yeah, go tell people.
0: <laughs> okay. So Luke and Matthew both had Mark's gospel in front of them when they were writing their gospels. And this whole idea of the messianic secret, is a key theme of Mark. It shows up all over the place in Mark where there are lots of times where Jesus, says, all right, look, I'm going to do, I'm going to do you this solid. Don't tell anybody
2: mm-hmm.
0: because in Mark, it's not about, it's not his time. So Mark okay. is all about, well, not all about, but it's very much about the cross There's a heavy emphasis on the cross and everything leading up to the cross is kind of prelude to the cross. And there seems to be, there was, a, I can't remember the guy's name, the scholar, There's a 19th century scholar who identified this as the messianic secret that he, until it was time for him to be taken up, he, uh, wanted things to be less public. So I think, I think this is one of those cases where Luke takes that part of Mark and kind of incorporates it into his gospel, but it's not a key theme. Um, so maybe, you know, in, in Mark, maybe it's because Jesus is just, it's just not time yet. Maybe there's some other reason we don't exactly know, but yeah. Okay. It's it's a little bit confusing.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's move to the next uh, healing story. It's uh, 17, still Luke 5, 17 through 26. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're going to have to explain this for some people that maybe are going back to read it. Yeah. So in verse 20, he says, when he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> yeah. And then when you go down a little bit further, uh, 23, 24. Uh, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to to say stand up and walk. Yeah. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Yeah. Okay, so people struggle with this. Yeah, yeah. They're like, okay, so wait, he was sinful, and so right. that's why he right. – So explain explain that to our listeners.
0: <laughs> so I do think that's a contextual thing, like okay. a first century context where there there was a pretty common belief that there was a connection between sin and mm-hmm. illness as though God were punishing you for something you had done or something your parents had done. This shows up not infrequently in the gospels. Sure. So Luke is making the point that Jesus has the power of both, both to forgive, which is a, so the word repentance appears more in Luke than any other gospel, Uh, not not than any other place in the new Testament. Okay. It's a very, it's a strong emphasis for Luke. And so I kind of did this as an aside just because I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time unpacking that. Um, Because, We don't think that way anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, like somebody who has a bad drinking problem and never recovers from it, clearly cirrhosis of the liver is most often because of alcohol abuse or drug abuse. So in that sense, I mean, there are things that we can do to harm ourselves Mm -hmm. through what we would consider to be sinful behavior or behavior that's not good for us or whatever. But that's not what's going on here. Here, um, like there's a – you're going to ask me later about my favorite healing story. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'll just jump to that. It's the man born blind okay. in in uh, the, the ninth chapter of John, one of the best chapters of Scripture ever. And that that story begins with who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Yeah, I mean, so then it's just, it's just kind of laying it on the table. Like mm-hmm. this is what we assume to be the case. <laughs> now Jesus answers in kind of a problematic way in that verse. He says. Well, neither. Uh, he was born blind so that you so so that you could see that the son of man is well, still like God caused it so that I could show off, basically. Yeah. What he says. But I but that's just uh, I I do think that is kind of an echo of an earlier theology. It's not categorically across the board that way in the Bible because again, the Book of Job is very mm-hmm. clear. He's got lots of stuff that's happened to him that has nothing to do with his own behavior, uh, but it was a, a prominent belief that if you do good you get good you do bad you get bad so if you if you got bad you must have done something bad
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: okay so you're saying but
0: you see why i didn't want to bog down on that yeah either, right? no, mean, like, that's a whole that's like a whole teaching sermon about how mm-hmm. theology evolves which is is different than what we were trying to do
1: yeah so just to reiterate so this is showing like yeah god jesus can heal and forgive sins right. like it's exactly. showing the f- it's
0: both and the fullness which okay. are obviously we believe yes right? yeah
1: okay no, that's good because people will get tripped on on that.
0: But this story is the, and it's on in three gospels where these guys bring a buddy to, for Jesus to heal. They can't get to him, so they go in through the roof, mm-hmm. which is just awesome.
1: Yeah. So talk about that. Where are some other similar stories where maybe people helped others in this same kind of manner, and then where people did not have help and how what happened to them?
0: Man, there's so many healing stories. Do you have, do, you, do some, like, did you have some in mind?
1: Well, once for the, that didn't have friends, you know, um,
0: by the pool, by the, the pool, by the pool yeah.
1: that just, uh, that's sitting the one there. That jumps to mind. Yeah. That.
0: Like everybody just steps over him.
1: Steps over <laughs> him and has no one. <laughs> right. To help. And I just think, oh my gosh, that's, uh. But then in leave. one
0: version of that story, Jesus fusses at him. Like, uh-huh. yeah, right, we're well, just going to lay here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's not <laughs> even trying to help himself.
1: Right. Yeah. But I just see that probably in in times now, like, how people often will say, well, just, like, pull up your bootstraps and just get – and I'm like, well, no, like, we're supposed to take care of one
0: another. Right. <laughs>
1: like, it's not so easy at times.
0: Right. And that was the connection for me to, the, to our caring ministries. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, were there any other stories, biblical stories you think of?
0: Well, I mean, so then there's, like, uh, ten lepers that show up and nine Only. of them – run off and one says so thank, you. thank you um there's just like so many variations on that same story yeah. but none none really jump out other than the man born blind but that's kind of a, that's a, that's doing a whole different thing too okay theologically
1: but yeah i mean you sharing your personal story with your father-in-law and then just how the church local church cared for your family and then in ann arbor like all the people that cared for just showing like how much of an impact um, how you can lessen that suffering and bring upon that healing in um, different things when you, we uh, when we help people. So looking – not stepping over people or ignoring them because I think often we say, well, I can't – I don't know if I can actually help them. So we're just going to keep driving past them mm-hmm. or ignoring their text or <laughs> whatever. Right, it's right. Like, no, no.
0: Yeah, um, we have a responsibility to each other.
1: Yeah. Okay. The last verse uh, is, "We have seen strange things today."
0: Isn't so that great. That's a I know. great detail. Boy, that was weird.
1: Yeah, that was weird. Do you want to go get a beer? <laughs> right, <laughs> like, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. It's, um, it's such a curious detail.
1: Is there any like uh, wording that, like in the original text, like that gives more to that, or was there anything? No, you- it,
0: it literally means. Um, uh, let's see. My computer in front of me. I think I. I, So this was a really long sermon that I had to cut down. Okay. Which I doesn't that doesn't happen a whole lot anymore. I've been doing it enough that I can usually gauge. But by the my first draft, so a normal sermon on a non communion Sunday is no more than 2,400 words for me. Sometimes it's like 2,200, depending on how long this bad the the Bible passage is. Sure. This one was like 2,800 words, (laughs) so I had to go back and cut some stuff and. I think that word in Greek is paradoxos. Actually, it's paradoxos, but it's, okay. it looks like paradoxos from paradox. Like, that's just something we can't believe.
2: Okay.
0: And so I took that out because I, I had two Greek words in there, and Whitney gives me a side eye if I have more than more than two Greek words <laughs> in. The not, just like, not just Whitney, not just Whitney. Like, okay, professor. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's funny that they, I. I I don't think it's funny. I love that Luke included that detail mm-hmm. because it points out the difference between those who know who he is and those who don't. So I, ho- the, I started with the whole premise of uh, like assuming that Jesus is the most important person in our lives. And I, I I carried on like that's true. I'm not sure how many people would actually say that's true. Yeah. Even Christians. I mean, I'm just oh, not sure we think of it that way. Yeah. So the first version of the sermon, there was a very famous odd couple scene Okay. From 1973. Okay. Where what happens when you assume? Yes. And I went back and watched that, thought a little bit about showing it, but, uh, you know, when we assume you make a blank out of you and me,
2: yep.
0: right? I'm like, ah, that's funny. I'd get a laugh, but we don't have time for that. And so coming back to it at the end, this notion, I uh, clearly, he's not the most important person in the lives of people who even witnessed his ministry. Um, they just kind of chalked it up to some weird thing that had happened, yeah, as opposed to us who have the benefit of two thousand years of tradition, mm-hmm. knowing like of course- like we just it's not surprising at all for us because we know who he is, mm-hmm. and I think that's uh like if if he really is the most important person in your life, then you don't in, in, when incredible things happen, it's not surprising to you,
1: yeah, you don't hesitate to name it.
0: That's what it is rather
1: than, well, I guess it just came together or coincident, you know,
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: or that was, that was weird.
0: All right. That's the, that's the throwaway. (laughs) We have seen strange things today. This guy, there's one other thing that did not, that I had to cut. Okay. So, uh, I tell the story that, uh, my in-laws are, are, uh, believers, but not religious folk. So they don't, they don't spend a lot of time in church and, um, they always came when we were there and. I mean, when they came to visit, they always came to church with us and stuff. And Gary was always like, so Whitney and I were, were together for, um, a couple of years before I heard a call to ministry. So like we had known each other, I I was on this career path with consulting and stuff. And then we make this left turn (laughs) and you know, not every, especially if you're not a religious family, that is not necessarily always well received.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And so, but he has always been really supportive, but there are some things we just didn't talk about. Right. So that summer as he was dying, we, uh, I was up there, I I came and went to Ann Arbor that summer. Whitney and the boys were up there most of the summer and I was sitting in the living room. Gary came in and I was reading the Bible. I was doing my daily devotional reading in my Wesley study Bible. And he said, what are you reading? I mean, he knew I was reading the Bible and I didn't have this in there because I wouldn't be able to say this. (laughs) I was reading, um, First or Second Chronicles? Let me look at up real quick. Yeah, First Chronicles, chapter twenty-eight, verse twenty. Chronicles aren't—it's not the scintillating part of the Bible. Mm-hmm. I recap First and Second Kings. But I happen to be reading David's farewell to Solomon, Ugh. and he says at the end. Um, actually, I'll just read it to you. Honestly, this is what I was reading when he came up and asked me what I was reading. This was in this was in his eulogy. David said further to his son Solomon, be strong and of good courage and act. Do not be afraid or dismayed for the Lord God, my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. He's talking about the temple. Yeah. But that, that, that farewell to his son, don't be afraid because God's with you.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, I read that to him. I said, well, here's what I'm reading actually. Um, so. How are you in God? You know, I get to, I get away with those kind of questions. Sure. And that's when he said, you know, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, I believe in heaven, and he, he had never actually come out and said that. I assume that was true, but um uh, I just don't believe everything the church says. My mm-hmm. god. Like, oh, trust me. <laughs> trust me.
1: I'm right with there with you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, that that was in the uh in the first draft, and I just didn't it was it's an emotional enough story that I was I I knew I was going to kind of struggle to get through it anyway, and, so, and I couldn't. That last part was too personal. Yeah. So I said, I cut it, saved it his. I mean, I, I said that at his, at his eulogy, which is still the longest eulogy I will. That was a 3,000-word eulogy. He and I were wow. – I, I really loved Gary. I was, he and I were – he was very good to me. Mm. So it, it was good to be able to talk about him um, 11 years on um, in the context of this idea That there is healing, even when there's not a cure, Mm -hmm. and there are a couple of people in the congregation right now. One of whom died on Sunday, by the way. Yeah. Two hours after I preached that sermon, Mm -hmm. and one of whom I had a real um, holy conversation with yesterday. So I mean, and all over the world, people deal with this every day, all day. Um, and I was just glad that we got to name it.
1: Yeah. I'm thankful. I think it's a good message to, to share with people. So if you know someone that is going through something like this or has some questions, I think it's a, it's a good one to share for sure.
0: It's good news, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's, uh, it's gospel for sure. Yeah. All right. Anything else? That's enough. Yeah. It's enough tears for <laughs> <laughs> one conversation. Yeah. All right, y'all. So this coming week is Lent four and this week is going to be the, what's called the sermon on the plane. Where Jesus tells us how we should act, and it's not quite as pastoral as healing sure, a leper. <laughs> sure,
2: sure
1: is not. So
0: he's going to step on our toes a little bit mm-hmm. this weekend. It's great. It's a great uh, text. I'm pretty sure I've never preached on it. It's in the lectionary for the year, but it's uh, we usually go with the Sermon on the Mount version, which is a lot easier. <laughs> a I, believe genuine. it or not, because the Sermon on the Mount's pretty hard. Yeah. Anyway, y'all, we appreciate you uh, spending another 45 minutes with us on off script. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks. God bless.
1: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Off script. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd, produced by Ashley Danner as a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministries. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.